0: Welcome to SBJ Factor, presented by Allied Sports. I'm Ross Nethery, and I'm joined by Alana Kloss, former number one doubles player in the world in tennis, US Open Doubles champion in 1976, and you won a lot of other titles, especially that year. I think that was that was probably one it's of your biggest big years. Year. Yes. Yes, yes. Big so year. <laughs> Alana's a member of both the national and international Jewish sports halls of fame was named Sports Businesswoman of the Year by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. She's part of the ownership groups of the L.A. Dodgers and Angel City Football Club, is a board member of the PWHL, the newly formed Women's Professional Hockey League that will be launching before too long. She's CEO of Billie Jean King Enterprises and, of course, of interest to Sports Business Journal. She was honored as a member of SBJ's 2011 class Game Changers. There's a lot more to the bio, but we can't take up the whole podcast with that. Thank you for being here
1: with Uh, us. It's great to be here with you. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. For iFactor, we like to kind of cover the, the, run the gamut of a person's life. And starting way back in South Africa, talk a little bit about your youth growing up, how it made you into the person that you are today.
1: Yeah, well, as you said, I grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa. I got into uh, tennis through my parents. They both loved to play, and uh, tennis uh, in the apartheid years actually was a very popular sport for, um, for white South Africans. Um, and I uh, used to go to the club every weekend with my parents from the age of about three or four, and used to drag a racket and, and hit against the wall. Um, but, you know, at a very young age, I. Uh, I had good hand-eye and I had a passion for the sport. I uh, was very, very lucky that um, in those days, the South African Championships was one of the major stops on the World Tennis Tour. And the very best players in the world would come to South Africa in April and play. And uh, I was a ball girl. And uh, I got to see the very best players in the world. and you know. Big believer, if you can see it, you can be it. And I uh, was really lucky. Um, Billie Jean King had come to South Africa that, in 1966. I was a ball girl, um, loved the way she played, served and volleyed, um, you know, was, worked a lot of her matches, and I was actually hitting tennis balls with my dad on an outside court. Billie Jean walked by, she stopped, she hit a few balls with me. She said to my dad, you know, your daughter has a lot of talent, Uh, make sure she pursues it and if I can help in any way uh, I will so she put me in touch with her coach she got me sponsored by Wilson and you know that day I decided I was going to be a professional tennis player tennis was not open there was no professional tennis yet but um, it's just amazing the impact that one human being can have on another person and so you know I think for me uh, as I transitioned out of playing professional tennis, um, I think it's just so critical to to give back and inspire others and, and make sure that uh, you know we stand on the shoulders of people who came before us and that we do the same for future generations.
0: What did you learn from tennis that has helped you both in your the following athletic career yeah. but also in your you know after sports career?:
1: Yeah, so I think. Um, For me, I think the the most important thing, actually, a lot of the lessons I learned were actually off the court. And it was building relationships. And um, I don't know if that started with my dad, who was in sales. Um, He uh, he sold uh, hardware uh, and uh, would travel with a a van and samples in those days, going to different stores. He'd be out on the road all week, and then he'd come home on the weekend. but the importance of relationships and that people um, really do business with you or do things with you because they like you. And I think for me, um, I was mentored by Billie Jean and obviously my parents. And um, you, know, you just learn that people, uh, if they like you, they will try to help you. And because I was uh, uh, skilled as a professional tennis player, I had access to unbelievable people, CEOs, leaders of companies, uh, politicians. uh, And so I built incredible relationships. And um, when I finished playing, those relationships have served me to this day. So I just think that um, that probably was the most important lesson that I learned. It's the people you meet that make a huge difference in your life.
0: I think that's a great lesson and your dad being in sales obviously would have helped. It seems like a lot of the young players who come up today don't, it takes them some time before they can (laughs) start to understand the the importance of that.
1: Yeah, it's very different, uh, you know, in the olden days. (laughs) Um, You know, when I started playing, you didn't have the money to have a support system to travel with you. So you know, you didn't travel with a coach, you didn't travel with a physio, you didn't have a parent. So you really, the people on the tour were your friends. You practiced with them, you learned from them. Um, Nowadays, uh, because there's so so much money, which is great, because that was our dream, but what it has done is it's really much more isolated. So every player has their own team around them, and they don't interact or build the relationships uh, as much as we had to, and um, I think that's probably um, that's too bad, because I think you become a much better person in society when you get to you know, connect with other people.
0: Mm-hmm. So what would you think were the, the key decisions in your early career, both in sports and then in business?
1: Well, I think for me, um, actually having the courage to stop playing. So I had a, a wonderful career, um, was ranked as high as 19 in the world in singles. I was the number one in the world in doubles in 1976. Um, as, as you mentioned, I uh, had a great South African partner, Linky Boshoff, Linky? who yeah. uh, worked, carried me, I'd say. But, but we, we were great together, you know. I knew what she was going to do, she knew what I was going to do, and, and we traveled the world together. And um, when, when she retired, she decided to go back to South Africa and go to university. Um, I really was not enjoying playing. And um, I did not go to university, there were no scholarships, or scholarships had just started when I was professional in the early 70s. And um, so, you know, it was a scary time because tennis was all I knew and I was making a decent living but I really wasn't uh, enjoying it. If I won a match, I'd eat because I was happy, and if I lost a match, I'd eat because I was depressed. (laughs) And you know, in tennis, um, you really are out there alone. In doubles, yes, you have a partner, but there's only one winner every week. In team sports, you get to share that victory, and also, you know, if you don't win, at least, uh, you know, you're not alone. so, just making the decision to actually stop playing professionally and go on to, into the business side because I loved the sport of tennis. I knew I didn't want to coach, but you know change is uh, is very scary, but the thing that I learned is um, change for me was great, and sometimes not changing is a much greater risk. so really getting off the court and you know into the business side um, was probably a Tough decision, but for sure the right decision for me.
0: What gave you the courage to make that decision?
1: There's a common theme in my life, and it is Billie Jean King. And, um, you know, she would always say, you you know, you, you want to be happy at what you're doing. And if you're not happy and you don't have joy, then something's wrong. And I was not having joy. And so she suggested at the time, she had just uh, retired from playing professionally and she um, had taken over as Commissioner of World Team Tennis. And she said to me, look, I'm looking for somebody who has got relationships with the players and can help us recruit, and if you're interested, um, at least it'll be a slow exit from the tour. So I started doing that uh, in the mid-80s and, uh, and then I got into sales and uh, Quite shortly after that, I uh, was running the league and was commissioner for over 20 years. Um, we sold the league six years ago, um, but uh, it, was, uh, it, it was amazing um, because uh, I just was doing something that I loved and you cannot beat that to be able to go to work and, and do something you're passionate about.
0: Relationships must have been very important in that, in, in building that business and your continuing career, what else did you find was important as a as a leader and as someone who had to rely on a team of people yeah. working with them to get things done?
1: I think most importantly is listening, um, and also talking to people um, outside of your close circle, because that's where you really get get your best ideas. And I think too, as a as a CEO. Um, for me, you know, it's important to understand the culture and the people below you because usually uh, leaders um, don't know very much about the subdominant group who are working below them and yet the subdominant group have to know everything about the leader because they have to navigate and um, as a woman CEO and um, in you know trying to sell to teams and sponsorships, there were not very many women in the field, and so um, you know we just I learned how to navigate, ask questions, um, use my relationships. Uh, you know every um, playing professional tennis was a huge help. It's you know it's like every uh, people really respect athletes, and I think they respect um, people being. Uh, at the top of their game in anything. Um, But because I was a professional athlete, I got unbelievable access. And so I think um, that served me incredibly well, being able to get in the door. Once I got in the door, because I was passionate about what I was selling and because of the message of World Team Tennis, which was equality, whether you had a little boy or a little girl, wouldn't you want the same for your kids? And that you know, when you came to a World Team Tennis match, everybody was included. So it was an easy sell for me, um, but getting in the door, you have to be able to get in the door and people have to want to hear your story. So I think it was navigating that. Um, But again, uh, you know, the thing about Billie Jean King, her relationships are over a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, She taught us, you know, if someone says no, they just don't have enough information. She also taught us never ever to turn down an interview because the media are your friends and they tell your story. It's much different now where people have social media and they can tell their own story, but there's nothing like somebody else telling your story. And so, um, you know, the the media, I think, helped us and respected us because we respected that they had a job to do. So I think it was, um, you know, just thinking about others. Uh, because actually when you give, you receive uh, a lot. But I was very lucky I had a great mentor. We'll return to this great conversation after a quick break. Where do
0: you get your best ideas? <laughs> <laughs> In the shower, like some of the rest of us Actually, are, yeah.
1: yeah, no, I get my best ideas when I'm running. Um, hmm. It's funny, I I gave up playing professional tennis and I took up jogging, I wouldn't call it running, but um, I hated to run as a kid. My dad used to take me to this field at school at six in the morning and shine the car lights on the field and would make me run because I was, um, I had great hand-eye, but I was not quick in tennis and and that's why I did better in doubles. You need that explosive uh, speed in singles, but um, I took up running. I watched the New York Marathon in 1980, uh, the end of it, and I saw these people finishing in like four hours and they weren't in great shape. And I said, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it. The next year I ran the New York Marathon and running changed my life. Um, It gave me a sense of um, that I could do it on my own. It didn't matter about an opponent. I didn't need luck. Uh, It was all me. But I think um, for me now, that's where I get my best ideas. If I go out and run, um, you know, at least I'm not gasping for air like I was in the beginning. But that's where um, most of my um, clarity of thought comes.
0: Do you alternate tennis and running these days? <laughs> how, how, does, how does that work?
1: I, I absolutely do. Um, you know, I, they're very different. Uh, mm-hmm. I. I uh, now I only play tennis for enjoyment. Um, you know, I don't want to compete because uh, I've been there, done that. Uh, and it's a great workout. I don't, you know, I just work out and uh, I have the privilege of hitting tennis balls with Billie Jean a couple of times a week. And then the running I do uh, more consistently. The other thing too, you can do it anywhere in the world. Um, but uh, for me, and then also, you know, I think, um, Billie Jean uh, is such a visionary. And we've also got a great team of people um, who now work at Billie Jean King Enterprises. When we sold World Team Tennis, we started Billie Jean King Enterprises. And um, we do a lot of brand work around Billie and her legacy. We do some sports consulting, helping companies. And then we also in, invest in in, women, uh, in women's sports. So it's been a great evolution. and um, you know, I just never stop learning uh, from Billie Jean.
0: How do you get away from it all? <laughs>
1: uh, that's hard, um, you know, because uh, Billie Jean is my wife, and mm-hmm. um, she uh, she's not done yet, and she never stops. I mean, she has this incredible drive to make the world a better place, so she's never stops thinking about how to make things better. So for me, um, going for a run, <laughs> And then I think um shutting down usually is probably going on a vacation on a cruise where you know I'm kind of away from a device and really changing the environment um, but you know i I feel really blessed to be doing something that I love, and um now uh you mentioned earlier on we're investors in, in the LA Dodgers. We started this women's professional hockey league. We're doing the Billie Jean King Cup, uh, a JV with the ITF. Um, so, you know, it's just so great to have capital and support, financial support. We've always had relationship capital, but in order to make things happen, you need financial capital, and. Um, at this stage of our life, to have that through Mark Walter and uh, TWG, the Walter Group, um, it's been uh, incredible. And not because, of course, we want to be successful and of course we want to do well financially, but it's the impact that we have an opportunity to make for thousands of young girls who are going to follow in our footsteps. And with the Professional Women's Hockey League starting in January, um, just think of all the players, but not only the players, all the job opportunities that it's going to create. So, you know, for, for us, it's really about how can we make a long-lasting difference? And you can do good and do well. There's no question about it. I
0: want to end up with a, a couple of quick hitters here. One is to ask you to finish this sentence. The sports industry needs to do a better job of
1: putting women in leadership positions. We're here today at the Sports Business Journal Dealmakers Conference and, you know, I looked out in the audience and very, very few women. I looked at the agenda, very few women. And, you know, it's not on purpose. Uh, And so we have to do a better job of um, getting into the C-suite. And we have to, um, you know, make sure that people look at women you know as people who can run things and you know there's some amazing women here this week you look at Sheila Johnson I know Michelle Kang you've got the people from Monarch you've got uh, Julie Oman from uh, Angel City so they're out there you might have to look harder but we have to keep uh, pushing women forward because I think um, you never know where you're going to get a great idea from and you know half the world are women, so we should you know, we're losing so many resources if we don't engage them.
0: I usually ask this question, best career advice for young people getting into the sports yeah. industry. I, I want to modify it and ask you, as you know, a father of a daughter, yeah. best career advice for young women who want to succeed in the sports industry?
1: So I think find a mentor. Uh, uh, you know, growing up for me, yes, Billy was, but um, in business, a lot of men helped me. Uh, incredibly. Ed Willard who was the CEO of DuPont uh, could not have taught me more Um, so as a young woman I would say find a mentor Uh, you know as a woman who's a CEO help identify women um, that you can help and then um, you know most of the time you get your first job from a relationship from Mm -hmm. people you know so use relationships and build that, um, and and find a mentor because I think, um, you know, we all can help. Uh, we get calls all the time, and any time I can help connect somebody, I'm thrilled to do it. Um, so again, it does get back to relationships. Though. Mm-hmm. So have your daughter call me. I'll help. I absolutely her. will. <laughs>
0: I want to kind of end up maybe at a 30,000-foot view. Mm -hmm. You've touched on this a lot about the changes, particularly with women in sports, from the time you started Mm -hmm. and had limited opportunities, limited uh, award money at the end of tournaments compared to today. So there's obviously been a huge amount of progress, but how would you assess that and kind of where we still need to get as a society?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I think... um there have been progress. Uh, the individual sports like tennis and golf were far ahead. I think Title IX, um, which is 50 years old, in 1972 it was passed. Um, that hugely helped uh, women's sports with scholarships in college, and that's where you saw at the Atlanta games was like the first um, evolution of the, the impact of Title IX with all the US teams winning. Um, so I think, um, that's been a huge help, I think now the next evolution is really uh, professional leagues where women can do uh, you know do what they love, have a place to play, but most important um, earn a living uh, you know doing what they what they love and not have to have two or three jobs and that is still evolving, even with the hockey league you know we have a seven year CBA, but we've got to players have to increase uh you know we've got to increase how they get paid, bring in more revenue um so that that's important but i think um you know as I think about it, probably two things that are hugely important um media rights and data i think um the great thing about data and betting is um it doesn't really matter man woman doesn't matter what the sport is <laughs> ponies dogs mm-hmm. uh Uh, I think there's huge revenue uh, in that space um, and I think that's going to help. And then the other thing which I find um, incredibly uh, inspiring and, and is a great sign is that we are now getting billionaires investing in women's sports. And, you know, even in men's sports, it takes enthusiasm, investment and time. And if you look at MLS and if it weren 't for Phil Anchus and Lamar Hunt who spent billions to get you know men 's soccer where it is today, it wouldn 't be there. So I encourage everybody if you invest in women 's sports, give it the same investment, enthusiasm, and time to mature, and you will uh, get the results. But I think um, the future's bright, and um, you know I just couldn 't be more excited to have um, lived in the generation where we had to build it, and now to, uh, to see it start to come to fruition.
0: Well, Alana Claus, you've been a, a trailblazer and a pioneer who has made a lot of this change happen, so we really appreciate it, and thank you so much for joining us on SBJI well, Factor.
1: Thanks, thanks for having me, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll hope that there'll be a billion dollar sale of a woman's professional team soon.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> thank, thank, you. thank you very much. <laughs>